Ladies and gentlemen, I do not feel the need. I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barton. And this is Mad About Movies. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Mad About Movies is your go-to podcast for all things concerning the world of cinema. Every week, we break down movie news, rumors, and rumblings, and give you a detailed analysis of a chosen movie of the week. But don't worry if you haven't seen that movie, because we will warn you before we go into spoilers. And remember to stay tuned until the end of the episode for weekly recommends, in which we suggest something that you need to check out ASAP. And remember, you can find all our episodes at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. This week's movie of the week is what, Brian? This week we're going to be talking about Need for Speed. I spent two years thinking about one moment. He set me up. In our world, you always go back. He just left him there. That's what I can't forgive. So I think Need for Speed is sort of trying to take the place of Fast and Furious uh, this year. They're probably fist pumping like crazy. That Fast 7 was <laughs> delayed until until 2015. Uh, so we'll see how this movie uh, turns out, whether it you know can compete with Dom and the gang. Spoiler alert. It, it can't. can't. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, this, is, uh, this marks a special day in the history of the Mad About Movies podcast. It does. This marks the first time we've ever had a guest on the show. Oh, please tell me it's Will Forte. Is it Will Forte? <laughs> no, I'm working on that, Richard. If, if it's not Will Forte, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> well, uh, Anything is a downgrade at this point. Sure. Brian Gill, why yeah. don't you do the honors and uh, introduce our guest this week? Yeah, today we're, uh, we're joined by our, our friend and loyal listener, Mr. Jason Davidson. Hey, Jason, how's it going, man? Hey, it's going great. I'm excited to be here. Jason uh, is here for several reasons, one of which is uh, we're going to talk about Now You See Me, which is our favorite thing to do, uh, but just to uh, join in our conversation. He's, uh, he's been a friend of ours for a long time. We're happy to have him. Jason's claim to fame is that he is a Hollywood actor uh, who nice. has appeared in such great films as Meet the Fockers and First Daughter. Am I missing yeah, another just... one? Is that, is that the... Well, you, you are missing the direct-to-video classic Scarecrow, in Ooh, which I was wow. uncredited partygoer. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of thing that you hang your hat on. That's been my title at every party I've ever gone to. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I also have a uh, claim to fame in the direct-to-DVD market, believe it or not. Nice. Oh, wow. Uh, soundtrack to the um, sixth Bring It On film right here, guys. <laughs> Bring It On, Fight to the Finish. Oh, so check it, check that out! It stars Christina Milian. Uh, I wasn't aware that they went past three. Yeah. yeah, the sixth one was the last one they made, I think. So so far, we, so I far. went down with the ship. It was, it's all I, good. I was my weirdest one is I was watching History Channel like a year ago, and there's voice comes on. I was like, that voice sounds familiar, and then they cut to the voice, and it was me. And I was like, what? And I was like, weird. What? That is weird. Nice. It was something I had filmed. Like three years prior in New Orleans, that had finally just gotten released on History Channel. Some like History New Orleans thing. Yeah, and uh, I was like, "This guy, this voice sounds really familiar." <laughs> you know how they sometimes will like lead in with audio and then cut to the video, and uh, there I yeah. was, my Clay Aiken visage for the world to see. That's incredible. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Hey, no problem. That's outstanding. Well, I want to uh, say thank you first of all 
I want to say thanks to uh, Team iTunes yeah. for featuring yeah. the Mad About Movies podcast on the front page of the iTunes podcast section for the past two weeks. I'm not sure if we're still up there, but I haven't checked. But uh, regardless, wow. Yeah. Uh, a huge thank you to those people. I'm not sure who exactly it was who discovered us or decided to feature us on there. It was great because it was immediately after the Oscars, and we had just released our Oscars episode. So we got a lot of notoriety for that episode, and people are really, really enjoying uh, our back catalog of episodes and such. So if you uh, discovered us on iTunes through the featured page, welcome. Uh, glad to have you. Yeah, once again, thank you to Apple and the iTunes team, and hopefully it's not the last time uh, you see Mad About Movies on the front page. Uh, but yeah. before we move on to movie news, guys, I want to give a few shout-outs. Thank you to some people who messaged us some nice stuff. Uh, over the weekend, I want to shout out to our friend Daniel Ford, who we shouted out to last week. We didn't know where he was from, but I have done some research and found out where he, where he was from. He is from Kent, England, actually. Ooh. So, wow. Daniel. Good day, mate. Yeah, Daniel, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Daniel. It's okay. That joke will never get old. Sorry. Sorry. It's, um, he holds the record currently for the furthest away. Mad About Movies fan uh, from the origin city here in Dallas. So if you live further away from Dallas than England, uh, shoot us a message and we'll be glad to give you that award. And I want to say thank you to Kevin Sinclair from Green Bay, Wisconsin, who messaged us and said he has been really, really enjoying all of our past episodes. Uh, So thank you, Kevin. And I want to say one more thank you to Chantel Higgs from San Jose, California. And she has also been enjoying all of our past episodes and says... That the Django Unchained episode is her favorite. That's our first wow. one. That's our first, That's our one. first that, one. Yeah, I think that one's unlistenable. It's, it freaks me out to go back and listen to us. It's quite time. different, yeah. But the yeah. reason she said she liked it is because we talked Star Wars for over 20 minutes. <laughs> so I'll take well, that as we a We are hint. the official podcast of Star Wars, so. <laughs> sure. Yep. We will talk more Star Wars in the future. Thank you for that. Yeah. And I'm um, glad to know that people are liking our our past episodes. So thank you yeah. to Chantel and Kevin for those messages. Yes. Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome. Let the filibustering begin. Dude, speaking of Star Wars, starts filming in May. Did you see this? You may have been in class when this broke earlier today. Uh, no, I did not. Wow. Yeah. Starts filming in May and it will take place 30 years after uh, Return of the Jedi. Okay, so that's so, an official uh, word. Brian, now. yeah, Brian, did it say anything about having all the principals filled out then? Because I, I didn't think they were uh, close to having all the principals cast yet. I don't think that they're done yet, but they're getting close. We've had lots and lots of rumors. They're trying to get uh, Lupita Nyong'o from uh, Twelve Years a Slave. She's the the big get at this point. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think they have everybody done yet. But they're gonna apparently they're gonna start rolling in uh, in just a couple of months. I I saw a picture. A couple days ago, that leaked. I don't know if it leaked or if it was posted or whatever. Of Mark Hamill, and he is back in shape, man. He looks like wow. old, old Luke Skywalker again. It's quite wow. incredible. I'm excited to see where if they could do the same with Carrie Fisher because she needed more work <laughs> no. than probably anybody. Probably just CGI that. Yeah, um. <laughs> sure. But man, yeah, it is. It's getting closer. I can feel it. It is. It's going to be exciting once the production actually ramps up here. And we start getting, you know, yeah. leaked pics from the set and, you know, plot details. But I don't think they've cast the lead actor yet. As far as I know, there's been a yeah, couple more rumors. Uh, somebody from Downton Abbey was rumored. 
I'm not sure his name, but he's like a 20-something-year-old uh, actor from Downton Abbey was rumored. Uh, one of the kids from Attack the Block, a great yeah. little British sci-fi film, is rumored too. And there's some other people, but nothing's confirmed yet. So, of course, we'll bring it up to to the listeners whenever that is confirmed. But, yeah, man, anytime we can talk Star Wars, that's always awesome. And I want to mention uh, a few more casting rumors before we let our guest rant and rave about the great film <laughs> Now You See Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Peter Pan mm-hmm. movie is moving forward, unfortunately. The Pan origin story. We know Hugh Jackman's attached to play Blackbeard the Pirate. Mm-hmm. Well, it's an got, origin story. Why wouldn't it be? We've got Garrett Hedlund uh, as young Captain Hook. We've got Levi Miller, I believe, oh. as Ooh. Peter Pan himself. That one just came down a few hours ago. It's random. Oh. Really? Uh, I believe that's right. You might want to double-check me on that, Brian, before we move on. Uh, Rooney Mara, apparently rumored to play Tiger Lily. Yeah. So that one came down this week as well. And so it looks like the main principal cast has been uh, assembled for Pan, which is scheduled to hit theaters um, next summer 2015, I believe. Good. That's a good time because there's just not yeah, a whole lot. Yeah. No movies that week. Yeah. Slow yeah. year. Uh, year really. Wide open. <clears throat> so there's another story that came out that Universal is trying to do a, <laughs> a Little Mermaid live action movie. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so is it every? Are we getting? I guess they already. Linda Hamilton and Ron Perlman already did Beauty and the Beast. Are they, we just doing every late eighties, early nineties Disney film? Yeah, they are. We're as, getting Cinderella this year or next year, oh, I believe. Yeah, that Disney is doing wow. that one. What about Grace? Great Mouse Detective? Can we get a live action one of those? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. We are getting a Chip and Dale live action movie. Are you serious? Yeah. Really? So uh, for those of you who are fans of Al- Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeakwell. Yeah, you misread that. That's a Chippendales live action movie. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Awesome. Not rest, at all related to Disney. Rest in peace, Swayze. Yeah, it's called Magic Mike. <laughs> yeah, this, it looks like they're going to go back and try to remake every single Disney movie that's any good into a live action movie, which has proven successful in like Alice in Wonderland, for example, mm. uh, financial success. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, not it's critical success. Yeah, they're doing a sequel to that. I saw the other day. So get yeah. ready for for that fun movie. Mm. Yeah, and the long-awaited Pinocchio movie <laughs> is still um, still coming down the pipes too. I don't know if Robert Downey Jr. is still attached to that, but um, hopefully it never sees the light of day. Uh, in my the opinion, the guy who did Life is Beautiful. What's that guy's name? Uh, Roberto Benigni. Benigni. Roberto yeah, Benigni. yeah, he did, did do a live action Pinocchio that was yeah. super creepy. Yeah, yeah he yeah. did. I had forgotten about that. Yeah, he did. That's mainly oh, the four, movie. Four point one on IMDb. So there you go. <laughs> what is <laughs> the Pinocchio movie with uh, with Roberto Benigni? Is four point one rated on on IMDb and. <laughs> And zero on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Pull, wow. Pulled an O for fifty-five. So wow, that's hard that's to rough. do. It's almost impressive. <laughs> it really is. Uh, but that's all the movie news, rumors, rumblings I had was that that little Little Mermaid bit in the in the pan casting news. Not really exciting stuff at all. Um, it's inevitable, really, at this point. But I guess we can, you know, rant and rave more about those movies when they when they come around. I'm sure we'll sure. be. Uh, first in line at midnight to see those. I know you will be, Brian, at least. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but let's get to right down to the 
to the thick of it here and to welcome in our guest once again, uh, Jason Davidson. Hey, hey. Jason, tell us a little bit about yourself and your movie knowledge and love for movies. Talk to us about uh, some of your favorite films and uh, stuff like that before we get to the main uh, shebang here. So, <laughs> Yeah, I know. I'd love to. That sounds great. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure where to start wow, with all those various topics. Wow, you're choking already. <laughs> One question <laughs> in, you already suck. It's those overwhelming. I understand. Yeah. Not every day you get to be in a top ten you know, iTunes <laughs> podcast. Hey, guess what? It is every day for us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I got bewildered with the number of options there. I, I've been following uh, film pretty much uh, for my entire life. Uh, going back to when I was a teenager and started, you know, uh, diving in and just watching movie after movie after movie after movie. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I spent about a year in Hollywood uh, poking around, pretending to act. And uh, if you could see me right now, you would have seen uh, – I did air quotes over acting to sort of make sure we were all on the same page there. Uh, but I did get to have some fun and do some uh, featured background acting, uh, which is basically just the people who stand in the backgrounds. It's no frills, but it's kind of fun because you get to be on set for a few days. And yeah. if they stick the camera in your face, they have to pay you union, and that ends up being a, a pretty decent paycheck for the amount of time that you uh, that you spend on there. Um, and then aside from that, uh, it's very similar to Brian. In fact, when we first met as human beings, it's one of the reasons we became friends is because we both have the same share. We share the same love of movies, and um, it, it led to – really easy conversations uh, about just about anything that was happening within the, the film industry. Uh, in particular, Star Wars, because if you're talking favorite films, I mean, it's, it's pretty yeah. much a, a list of one. What's my favorite movie? It's Star Wars. And then we can talk about other movies that I really, really like. But, I mean, it's it, they're not really on the same scale. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's definitely where it starts and stops for me. It's uh, when I was, I think... Eight or nine, uh, we were visiting some friends, and my my parents rented it to shut me up. <laughs> yeah, HS. And uh, as I recall, I watched it, uh, you know, finish it, stop it, rewind it because I'm old enough for VHS, and uh, rewatched it over the course of two or three days nonstop. Like it was running constantly, and I was part in front of it the entire time. Yeah, I don't mean to go on a, a separate tangent here. But just give us your general thoughts on the whole Disney Star Wars acquisition and uh, their direction moving forward. What do you hope uh, happens here with these films? You know, I, I think the dream is that J.J. Uh, Abrams gives us uh, an original trill- – uh, I'm sorry, this first trilogy uh, of the same scope and quality as what he's done with Trek. Yeah. Um, and then going on from there – you know, you, you hope that it hits the Marvel model well, where they're doing – because I know they want to put out uh, – are, are they still married to wanting to put out a movie every year? I think so, beginning in 20 – beginning next year, some type of Star Wars, whether it's a live action or animated or something, some type of Star Wars output every year is their goal. Yeah, so. So, you know, I, I what I would hope is something – like in the the Marvel universe, what they're able to do with it right now, where you end up getting a core group of characters that come together every so often, maybe for an official uh, trilogy film, even though by then we'll be at eight or nine movies, but come together for sort of an official trilogy film. Uh, but then there will be standalone stories in the universe. Um, I, I really like that model. I, I get a little nervous because you, you always have to worry about oversaturation. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, I think that's a bigger concern than the movie just flat out being terrible. Um, Disney and JJ 
they both know what they're doing enough that, you know, they're not going to invite M. Knight to direct one of them and, and cast Shia LaBeouf to play a Jedi. You know, I mean, <laughs> nothing, nothing like that is going to happen. So you don't have to worry about a movie just being off the rails. Uh, but what I do think you have to worry about is just with the such a steady influx of films, I, I don't know if I could ever get bored of Star Wars, but yeah. if the market gets bored of Star Wars... Right, and it stops making money. They're going to shut it down. I can tell you, I'm bored of this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking the same thing. I hazed the new people. I don't think uh, it's only been one new person. How can you state that as like? uh, Am I I hazing you? Going forward, president starts now. Yeah, (laughs) logic is sound. Uh, but yeah, that's the only thing I'm afraid of is yeah. if if the if it gets too oversaturated, as yeah. soon as critics turn against it, um, audiences will start to turn against it, and if it ever somehow becomes unpopular or uh, or whatnot, they're they're going to shut it down again, and and that would be I would be really surprised if critics turn against it. We got to remember that all three prequels are fresh territory. I think critically, wow, that's really crazy. Two is miserable. Episode two is technically critically uh, more acclaimed than than episode one. I don't see how that's even possible, but it is. Yeah, it, it happened. It's crazy. But oh, I agree with you. Sixty-seven percent. Yeah, I present ah. to you the dinner scene and say that no movie with that scene should ever be more than eighteen percent fresh. Which scene? <laughs> the diner scene in episode two. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Episode three is eighty percent. You know what's weird? I, I've seen. Of the of the new prequels, I've seen the first one the most because I didn't know better and I'd already bought a whole bunch of tickets. Um, <laughs> you already bought one. twelve showings without seeing. I think it, I yeah. bought five showings before it even came out. <laughs> yeah. Wow! And uh, you know, then uh, the second one I saw a couple of times because I really wanted it to be good. And then, strangely enough, the third one, which most people say is pretty decent, I only saw once in the theater and I've never seen it again. Yeah, it's um, it's not good. It's not great. It's not it's terrible. All right. It's all right. Yeah. Have you seen the Clone Wars cartoon, like the original movie one that came out in like '03, I believe? Uh, when not hit Netflix. No, the that's a, that's the computer animated one. There was a there was an animated one, a two D animated one, that was done by the same people that did Samurai Jack. So the oh, animation is awesome. I think I did see that. Yeah, I do remember that. But I don't think I've seen it. You can pick it up on Amazon, I believe, and check it out. But instead of watching the prequels, I'll suggest to the listeners, just go watch that. It's about two hours long uh, cartoon series, really well done. It sort of touches on a lot of the stuff that happens uh, in the prequels without having to watch the prequels themselves. So that's always good. Thanks for your, um, your, Star, Wars, uh, your Star Wars thoughts. It's always, that's that's got to be our initiation for all our guests, guys. That's right. Let's get right. Star Wars I could ask my own Star Wars questions sure. back to you real quick. Yeah. Uh, just out of curiosity, you know, one of the first things that Disney did when they came in was they sort of shut down the expanded universe. They yeah, turned it yeah. off and sort of decanonized it. Yeah. So, uh, where do you guys? What do you guys think that makes the fate of Clone Wars and the other Clone Wars and all these other things that have come out in the universe? Uh, and music. What was the legacy then? Are they just done? Are they going to be put on the shelf? I think it's like. It's sort of like hitting a reset button when this whole Lucasfilm to Disney acquisition took place. Like, Disney doesn't want to put out anything Star Wars that they didn't make themselves. You know, yeah. like they did, they didn't do start from the ground up. Like if they 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 had a whole season of Clone Wars in the bag when the acquisition was made, and they didn't even release them. 
like on TV or DVD or anything. They just put them on Netflix. Like they didn't even yeah. care to do anything with them. And they had another animated series called Detours that the robot chicken people were doing that didn't end up coming out too. They shelved that as well. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's more of a, well, if something doesn't work, we know who to blame type thing, you know, rather than, you know, risking their, their studio's reputation and all the money on stuff that George Lucas uh, concocted and yeah. because it might not work, you know. At least they right. have control over the stuff now. So I think they're sort of hitting a reset button. I think we'll still get animated stuff and, uh, and movies. I think there's a series called Star Wars Rebels. I believe it's called an animated series. It's supposed series. to hit this fall, I think. That's supposed to hit, real, yeah, this year. So it'll be interesting to see, but th- I think that's what happened, um, in my opinion, is that they just sort of um, threw everything aside and, and just wanted to start fresh, which I don't mind at all. Um, yeah, yeah. But let's get right down to it, uh, Jason. Recently – So excited for this. Before we had you um, decide to come on, you saw a film <sighs> – that has made our, our podcast quite popular among our listeners. Uh, right. we, we've gotten a lot of email about this film and our yeah. views of it. If you're a new listener, because we, we have picked up several new listeners, right, over the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. If you're a new listener, I think there's three things that we're known for, right? Because we're the, we're the official podcast of Star Wars, number one. True. Um, we, we love MacGruber uh, more than maybe anybody else in the world except Will Forte. Uh, I would dare two, to say more. Possibly, possibly. Well, what about Val Kilmer, though? That's true. Because he loved that table read. He does. Uh, But also, our our third claim to fame is we despise Now You See Me. Um, I think more than anyone hates anything in the world. So uh, with that in mind, our our dear friend Jason here. With that in mind, uh, Jason, prepare your thoughts, and I'm going to cue up the worst movie of all time music uh, starting (laughs) – now, all right, Jason, what are your thoughts on Now You See Me? Tell us about your experience seeing the film and uh, give us your thoughts. Here we go. Okay, so uh, a quick backstory on this. Um, hanging out with Brian in real life, he has been on the, the hatred bandwagon for this movie for some time. But I hadn't seen it yet, and I didn't know a ton about it except for the trailers. But he just kept saying, you have to see this. You have to see this. So finally one day it popped up on on HBO or some such. So I hit record. And then, you know, two weeks later I've got some time. So I just hit play and I'm not paying any attention. And uh, I think the first thing that happened is I sent a a tweet to Brian that said – or a text to Brian that said, so let me understand this. Woody Harrelson can read minds? (laughs) And the text back from him was all caps, a million X – explanation points of you're watching it and uh from there it turned into a a bizarre live texting experience that will go down as one of the worst two hours of my life um (laughs) it is so bad it is so bad and and what's funny is i i wasn't sure what to expect because brian would never commit to why is it bad like what makes this movie terrible he never said he would just say just watch it and uh, and so I did, and I hated it. And I actually, in preparation of today, I'll tell you, I took a bullet. I watched it again. I watched it. <laughs> wow! Wow! You've you've topped all of us now. I don't think any of us have seen it twice. No. Now I, I feel like if I'm going to say something is one of the worst movies I've ever seen, or it's the worst human being I've ever known, or worst right. dude ever, I've got to do it more than once. Because what if it was a fluke? And it's not a fluke, guys. It's, <laughs> it's absolutely terrible. Um, 
there's so many places to start, and I don't know where you guys have covered it, but I think primarily my my biggest problem with it, my 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 pure hatred, comes from the fact that the entire movie is just one big cheat. It has zero accountability. Uh, I, I've thought of a thousand different ways to say this, and I've already had this conversation so many times since I've seen the movie. <laughs> but essentially, you have the, these four horsemen, which I'm not even going to waste my time with how bad the name is. <laughs> you have these four horsemen, and they're basically superheroes. But the movie is telling us they're not superheroes. There's this ridiculous plot hole gap where they can knock over an armored car in France, steal 3 million euros, get it back to the U.S. Oh, I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> spoiler <laughs> alert. Mark Ruffalo is the guy the entire time. <laughs> that out of the way. But, well, but his dad know, was a magician, so that makes him a good one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so they can do all these heist-type things with, with the greatest of ease, the precision driving bit where they crash the car. They, they have a skill set that would make, like, any Jason Bourne type character jealous. I don't know why, and they never really explain why, but we're just supposed to trust them because they tell us, oh, it's all a trick and it's all reasonable. And, and that's my biggest problem with the movie. And, and I think it's what makes the movie just embarrassing is that they're just telling you, trust us, it works. Trust us, it's cool. Yeah. No, no, it's fine. And while they're doing that, they're using CGI to show magic tricks, but they're not doing magic tricks they're just doing cgi and making these major plot elements of oh well they were able to escape because they jumped off a building and turned into a whole bunch of fake money that fell down to the ground and then later they were seen running on a roof it's a magic <laughs> trick, guys yeah. yeah so was it real magic no it was a magic trick well See? uh luckily for you um you know you were, you were talking about uh, your time in hollywood before kent and i um, we got to meet at the screening a gentleman. Wait a minute, you went to the screening? We went to a screen, a critic screening for it. Oh. We saw this about a month before it came out. We we're pr- <laughs> we're pretty lucky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we, we met a guy that uh, worked with Chris Angel on developing a lot of the tricks for this film. Wait, Chris Angel, mind freak? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So apparently, like they had magicians, they brought in and just like think of stuff. That would be a cool trick. Like you don't have to do the trick. Just think of what would be cool, and then we'll just CGI it. I mean, don't worry about the logistics of actually performing it. Oh my gosh! Uh, the other thing, real quick. Uh, a lot of times when we're talking about something, I'll pull it up online just to kind of have something to look at, so I don't have to listen to any of you. And um, on you on the Wikipedia. I don't know if you've been on the Wikipedia for now. You see me, but it has the actor. You know, on the cast, it has the actor, the character they play, and then in parentheses, it has. <laughs> The playing card. Their tarot card, yeah. No. It does. Oh, gosh. It absolutely does. <laughs> and I've just been sitting here the whole time Jason's talking, trying not to laugh. It's, it's, it's astounding. I mean, it's really astounding. Plus, has anyone ever asked this question? Exactly what does Isla Fisher have to do with anything that no, happens? No, that, that was my main complaint. She serves absolutely zero purpose. She doesn't do anything. Movie. And it's, yeah. almost, it's almost even self-prophetic because – when um, oh, what's his name? Danny Atlas. Uh, when Jay uh, Daniel when, Atlas. Come on, Jay Daniel Atlas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> tarot card. Tarot card. The lovers. Go ahead. Oh, continue. Sorry. When the lovers at the beginning is talking about Isla Fisher, he describes her as his assistant. Yeah. 
And that's yeah. all she ends up being. Like that that that's right. her role yeah. at all. She makes a big deal about no, that's not her role, and then that's exactly what she is. Yeah. It's all she does. I, I it's it's astounding to me. Um and there's so many other things to hate. Like they switch main characters twenty minutes into the movie. Yeah. Uh which is incredible. Yeah. Um I watched it again so that I could finally you know, lay down exactly what is the plot because after one viewing, it's not clear. Like what is the actual plot of the movie and, and an incredible frustration, the story and the plot are not the same thing. Yeah. Uh, you've got a revenge plot apparently orchestrated by quote the eye, which, <laughs> which may or may not just be Mark Ruffalo because he definitely drops a we when he references the, uh, the eye and he's talking to Morgan Freeman, but you know, the eye consists of four lines over the course of the entire movie, so we don't have a whole lot of background on yeah, what the we'll, eye is. We'll get that in the sequel. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the four horsemen are on the hook to become members, which allegedly grants access to real magic. Um, but and, and I checked the timing on this. This is outstanding. We don't get any of that information until literally the last five minutes of a two-hour runtime. Yeah. yeah. So you get an hour yeah. and fifty-five minutes of one movie, and then a five-minute Deus Ex Ruffalo of <laughs> here's what was actually happening. And it, it's like this whitewash to say, don't worry about anything that you saw because this is what was going on. But if that's true, it's just a really snippy revenge plot. And if there is real magic and Mark Ruffalo has it, well, A, that's a better movie. And B, <laughs> why did we do this plot? Yeah. Like, why, yeah. Why, did we do, why did we train them in the desert? I did find out that the DVD has a, 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 un, a cut scene. Oh, there's an extended version I saw that's 10 minutes longer. I read about it today when I was doing my painful research. (laughs) And they they do a – it took place after the credits, but I guess it takes place after the initial recruitment scene where they go to some desert warehouse and it has all the equipment that will be used in their future stunts. Ah. So – uh, but but still nothing, solves nothing. Yeah. Well, if anything, it makes it worse because then it locks in that these guys are doing – fake magic they're doing illusions you know they're not they're not magic which right. then what yeah which then <laughs> adds to the implausibility of the world that they've they've created but one thing that's that's truly maddening too i've said that like that a thousand times but <laughs> uh, i think the movie's aware of this because the yes. the very last line is or one of the very last lines is french girl who also is highly irrelevant uh, says that line about what does she say? She says, "Don't." She basically says, "Don't overthink it." Yeah, uh, oh, yes, that's right. Yes, she says, "That's exactly some it." Mysteries, yeah, some mysteries are best left unexplained, yes. or some things are best left unexplained. And it's right after Ruffalo gives this ridiculous explanation of what happened, and then he goes, "Do you have any questions?" And she goes, "Some things are best left unexplained." And if the opening line of the movie is the calling card, you know, come in closer because the closer you are, the less you'll yeah. see. Well, then that line's definitely the, you know, hey, guys, we're not going to explain this. Just just accept it as fact and enjoy our movie. It's almost yeah. as if that calling card was, like, made up by the producers after this movie <laughs> to just make fun of anyone who watches this movie. The more, the yeah. closer you look, the more you think you know. 
because there's nothing <laughs> yeah, to I, see. There's no point in any of this. You're you're just wasting your time if you're trying to make something out of this movie, basically. It's it's an empty hole. I mean, there's yeah. nothing that happens in this movie, and and I think that's what's so frustrating too is that because of that and because of the last five minutes of it, and because they just had no intention of explaining anything, they 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 wrote the movie with a blank check. Yeah. They. I'm so happy to hear that story about Chris Angel, and that, that's the whole movie. What would look cool? Well, yeah. how does it work? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, what would be interesting? Well, what if Mark Ruffalo is in charge of it? Well, how does that work? Doesn't matter. You know, yeah. Well, he, you know, we we were told that uh, you know this guy ran lights for Chris Angel, and uh, apparently, um, if you sit up in the rafters, like you can see that it's just tricks. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, <laughs> shattering the glass. Man. I know, <laughs> um, Brian. I well, audience. We've we've listened to our friend Jason now, kind of freak out about now you see me. Uh, now it's time for one of the core three to freak out. Brian, you ready? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Uh, what's the last Star Wars Revenge of the Sith? Revenge yeah. of the Sith. Rotten Tomatoes, eighty. Yeah, eighty yeah. percent. Yep. Return of the Jedi, seventy-eight. No. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. Ridiculous. That, All right, continue. I'm speechless right now. But <laughs> I want to ask you, Jason, uh, one last yeah, thing before we um, end this please, little one segment. One more tip that I have to share because if I don't, I'll go to Okay, my share it real quick. It might be what I'm going to ask anyway, so go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say there's – in addition to the greatest MacGuffin of all time being the fact that they put trackers on all of the employees. <laughs> yeah. The worst uh, scene ever. Uh, uh, oh. I think maybe the most gaping plot hole I've ever seen in my in my I'll say in my life, and I know it's hyperbole, but we're not far away. Uh, the crew they're hunting yeah. these four people who are putting on these shows that would cost millions of dollars of tech. <laughs> they're running eight different spotlights simultaneously with music effects, yeah. with mechanicals. It would take a crew of of over a hundred. <laughs> Why don't you just capture one of them and say, what's going on? Yeah, well, that's you part know, of the magic. Talk Jason. to any of them. But They're hypnotized, dude. It doesn't exist, and it's incredible to me. Dave Franco can, 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 uh, can make those uh, spotlights work with his mind. So that's uh, part of the magic. Don't, just don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I was about to ask a question. You know? One of my other complaints about the, in that same vein is like, the FBI has to like buy tickets to all the magic shows. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. like they're going to be in New Orleans. Hurry, buy tickets to the show so we can see it. And all right. They're in the queue, like trying to get tickets for Comic Con. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because the the FBI can't bust into anywhere and capture anybody. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's probably the question. Uh, what, say what you want about the kind of the logistics of uh, that scene with the GPS trackers tracking them down. At least it's shot well. <laughs> shot impeccably well. Not just spinning around maddening. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, nothing of the sort, and, and nothing weird about how Ruffalo didn't figure out that he was tracking himself until <laughs> well into the chase. Uh, oh, but then again, I forgot he actually he's, he's in on the bit, so he yeah, was he was well aware. He's playing dumb. You you just got the greatest magic trick of all is the one he just pulled on you. He just got fooled. And, and not to mention, if the, the problem is if Ruffalo is not real magic, well, the problem. Another problem: <laughs> if Ruffalo is not real magic. Then that means that this really is 
a a long play. This is a long con going back to when he was four years old. And, and the movie suggests that that might be the case. But that means his entire FBI career is a bit. Yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't understand. I somehow, together, <laughs> magnificent career as a bit <laughs> to set up this improbable set of occurrences to get back at two people who are marginally responsible for his father's death who he could have just shot. Yeah. And, uh, it's, <laughs> and yeah, if he's that good of a magician, he could kill them and totally get away with it. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, and if he's real magic, I mean, even easier. Yeah. And if he's real magic, who cares at that point? You're real magic. <laughs> it's astounding. We, we could do a, we could do a four hour show on, uh, on now you see me, I'm sure. So, <laughs> My soul actually feels better. I feel like a better person having purged the hate. Uh, <laughs> and speaking to this, I, it's, uh, it's so bad. I was angrier this the second Jason's time. This is Green Mile. He's, the, uh, he's Michael Clark Duncan spitting out all the flies or whatever after he sucked <laughs> the, the evil out of those yeah. people. <laughs> we could, we could um, easily do it a whole another episode on this, guys. We probably will. The more, yeah, the moral of the story is Easily one of the worst uh, movies in the history of cinema. And um, check it out. Uh, go yes. see it and listen yes. to our Now You See Me episode. You've probably already seen 73% it. 73% of audience loved it. Yeah, so you've Ugh. seen it, made 350 million, and we will do – we should do a live – We really should. invite Jason back and we should do a live commentary, set up the mics and hit play, let people watch along with us. We should do that for that in MacGruber. And guys – I think it's the whole cast is officially back. So 2016, it looks like. Now no, you see me no, too. No, cast is not back. No, yeah, they no, are. no, no, no. I, they are. I just looked at the link. Jesse Eisenberg announced they're all back. Him and all the rest are back. I'll send you the Even link. American Treasure, Woody Harrelson. Yep. It's not happening. What about what about Common? Is he going to be back? Yeah. That's that's the important part <laughs> to me. I love on the IMDb how he's second build. It stars Jesse Eisenberg and Common. Ugh. <laughs> 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 uh. Well, awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, we really need to move. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. 
Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. On because we'll go another hour on this movie. Uh, so let's talk about another great film, Need for Speed. Racing is an art. Revenge will surely come. But racing with passion, that's high art. I think that's Toby Marshall driving the chariot of the gods. Here we are, and uh, I need you guys to actually refresh me on this movie. Uh, I caught a screening of this over a month ago now, and uh, like now you see uh, me. Your record with screenings, yeah, not, not, not good. Great. <laughs> yeah, we got Rush. It's our second car-related screen for Kent. So. Yeah, Rush was good. Rush is yeah. the one screening in the past year that I was like, wow. Glad I saw that movie. Period. Uh, but this movie, uh, I saw it. Yeah, like a month ago. And a funny story I need to tell before we get going here. Uh, so the studio that put on um, that put on Need for Speed this, in this screening, they they had like, this representative who's like, "All right, guys." He came in the theater before the screening. Like, All right, guys, everyone's psyched for Need for Speed. And he was like, just totally out of touch guy, just trying to hype everyone up. It was complete silence. I can't hear you type thing, you know? And everyone's just like, all right, God, just start the movie. So they start the movie, um, complete silence for four minutes. <laughs> Soundtrack doesn't work to the movie. Oh, no. So we're watching the movie in silence for the first four minutes. And then you hear this, hold on guys, working on the sound, working on the sound, <laughs> but I'm just going to do the sound effects for you until uh, they get the sound back up. So the guy <laughs> proceeds oh, no. to start going, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> during the first scene oh, and gosh. so the movie actually starts and that's the actual soundtrack is just car noise oh, at the beginning my. I was like okay you did uh, not get off to a good start here with yeah. these uh, critics in the audience hey but respect to that guy he tried hard he went above Seriously. and beyond his uh, his job title yeah, like, he, man. he was legit psyched he was super psyched for Need for Speed it's actually Aaron Paul's brother yeah so um, I, I really don't remember much about this movie. To be honest, what I remember about it was Aaron Paul was in it, and he played basically himself, and uh, there were cars that drove fast in it. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's all I really remember from this movie, and I'm being 100% honest with that. Um, I've, I've re-looked at my notes and everything, and I just can't really put my finger on many of the details uh, of this movie. There's not, it did not have a lot to offer as far as details. So I'm going to ask one of you guys to uh, fill me in. Bring it. Uh, Brian Gill, um, what are your thoughts on this Need for Speed film? Yeah, I was, a, I was, I wouldn't say optimistic, but I thought that this was going to be at least a fun movie to watch, right? Like it had that kind of a vibe that it's not going to be good. It's going to be a Fast and Furious knockoff, but it, it looked like it could be uh, fun. And then I think I honestly I felt like the the opening scene was pretty well the you know the car chase uh, or race the very very was, beginning yeah yeah was that pretty, was yeah, cool when you, yeah. that guy yeah. was happening <laughs> um, 
was pretty good. It was enjoyable. It was well filmed um, yeah. or shot. The whole the the graphic or the uh, special effects were really well done in that opening sequence, and it sort of like sweet. This is okay. This is feeling all right. And then then people started talking. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and you realize that this is you know the the movie's directed by a stuntman and uh, Scott Wall, who you know his only other movie is that Marines. Oh. Uh, uh, Propaganda piece, pretty much. Uh, Active Valor. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Active Valor. yeah, Active Valor. Yeah. Um, you know, and the script was pretty bad, and and you've got they're trying. They tried so hard to make Aaron Paul seem like like Dom, you know, like a really tough guy, and <laughs> it doesn't. But everyone rallied around. Yeah, and it, and he, I didn't think he was bad in this, but it's it it wasn't a it it wasn't fitting to his. Uh, his characteristics and his persona, I didn't, I didn't feel like, um, yeah, there's a few scenes that were fun. Some of the, the car racing sequences are, are good though. I think the first one is the best one by, by a, a fair stretch. Um, you know, but it's just, gosh, the, the, uh, the script is horrible and direction as far as the, the movie goes is, uh, is pretty, is pretty bad. Uh, this guy can shoot, can shoot action scenes pretty well, but everything else, I don't think he has any idea how to structure a movie. And I don't think the script helped that at all. Yeah. The script was absolutely horrendous. There are several lines that I like wrote down that were just, how did that even make it into a rough draft of this, of this screenplay? It was offensive. And I'll, I'll tell you what they are later. Uh, But Richard Mm -hmm. uh, thoughts on need for speed. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll be brief. On a scale of too fast, too furious to fast five, yeah. um, this leans a little more towards the the former. <laughs> That's how we rate everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a little more too fast, too furious than I would like, which is still probably better than this. No, I thought it was shot. I was about to say exactly what you guys were saying. I was kind of like. Um, you know, we had talked, Kent, and you're like exactly what you expected to be, and then Brian had told me it was terrible, and I was like, I don't know, uh, okay, I'm gonna go in. Uh, kind of expected it to be bad, Brian, because of what you had said, and then like yeah. in that first five minutes, I was like, this rules, like right. this is so much cooler um, <laughs> than I expected. I was like, gonna, I was totally getting ready to come argue with you, yeah. and uh, so we started with like a solid A minus right then, and then it just chipped away. Like the longer the movie went, <laughs> yes, like yes. it could have been a a Z if they didn't run another hour. <laughs> um, yeah. It was like just chipping away at it. So that, that's unfortunate. Um, Aaron Paul, I don't think he's a leading man. I mean, I think if it wasn't this, then what? I mean, maybe there's some like something small he can do, but he's certainly not like an action hero right. leading man, which is fine. That doesn't mean we don't have room for him. We all love him and root for him. There will be something for him. He will be around, I think, I hope. Maybe not. I don't know. But uh, but this is not not the cr- smartest career choice, I don't think. But it's made some money. It hasn't been a total flop. So you know, we'll see. But uh, I don't know. It 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 uh, <laughs> flopped pretty big compared to what they thought it was going to do first weekend. Really? I think, I think Mr. Peabody and Sherman beat it at the box. It office. did. It Let's did well overseas, though. It's it's okay. made its money back already. It, 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 yeah, it cost yeah, sixty five million. Yeah, oh, wow. it cost sixty five, and it's made. I saw it made like uh, yeah. 17 here. Yeah, last but it's, it, made it made 40, 42. Yeah, 45. 45.6 so far. So yeah. it's over. It's already made money. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, 
that's so it's not a complete like embarrassment. Um, hey, uh, Michael Keaton, happy to have you back. Um, let's do something decent. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, I thought like as far as like material to work with, I think Keaton had like the most stuff. Like he had the most. I- like his character, he was an actual character and not just totally like himself agree. playing him himself. I totally agree. I look, this is a bad movie and I would like Michael Keaton to do better things. I found his part of this movie fascinating. Like yeah. anytime that he was talking, I was completely locked in and then I'd go back to sleep. Uh whenever he, <laughs> he left. It, look, I would say this. If he had done this in RoboCop I think yeah, RoboCop's yeah, like yeah. solid B plus at least, yeah. you know, like because he was so lifeless in RoboCop, and then this is such a, it's ridiculous, but it's such an over the top, more dramatic, dr- dynamic character. I I think it would have like maybe <laughs> don't do Need for Speed and actually bring it in RoboCop. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not a big Imogen Poot, Poots fan. Uh, she was terrible. Yeah. Um, she is in the new, the next Will Forte movie though. So that's going to be tough. I'm, I don't know. I just don't like her. I don't either. Uh, to me, she's very shrill and she looks like a Cameron Diaz bobblehead. Yeah. (laughs) And don't, you know, don't disparage my cam. Um, (laughs) by the way, I was at the bookstore the other day and Cameron Diaz has a book about like keeping your body in shape. Yeah. Yeah, got it. That's my girl. She's the best. <laughs> Love her. Well, um, Jason, uh, you know, I have very, very similar thoughts to uh, to what they've already said there. Um, I actually kind of dug the middle of the movie. Uh, you, you sort of get a little ways into it. You get past the beginning, which is atrocious, but then you get into the middle of the movie, and there's just sort of this long, long, long sequence where they're just driving around the country. I, and it's not too bad. They're just racing the car, and I sort of enjoyed it. Uh, but by and large, yeah, it's 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 pretty bad. There's a character in there that they want me to love so bad. It was named Pete. They yeah, tried yeah. so hard at the beginning to make me love yeah, Pete. Yeah. And they sort of the 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 whole yeah the, the whole heart the whole movie, movie hangs on this on character yeah. Pete. <laughs> and he was obnoxious. I didn't like him. Yeah. yeah, we were so, kind of glad when he died. Honestly, yeah. yeah. You know, it it, it felt. I didn't mind at all that he died, and I didn't understand why anyone else cared. Right. Uh, he was such an obnoxious character, and they but they tried so hard. But dude, it's know, Pete. He reminded man. me every time there was dialogue. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's the thing. Like with I, the dialogue, it seemed like anytime they spoke, all they wanted to do was tell us how awesome Pete was and how crappy Dino was, and yeah. that was all the dialogue in the film. But you need, like, I mean, you just don't know Pete though. Like Pete <laughs> is a. Like a real dude. Yeah, he's Did you guys not watch the web uh, series before this to get into this? Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. Kid Cuddy, uh oh. also a masterful performance. Please. Please. You know what, Richard? You know who you know who Kid Cuddy played in this movie? Uh Chopper Dan. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Richard this is a backstory a little bit for you. Richard and I have this character on our radio show <laughs> named Chopper Dan. And we do our radio show like late at night, like nine, ten PM. And so we think it's hilarious to have traffic reports at like 10 p.m. when there's no traffic. <laughs> so our character, <laughs> Chopper Dan, he, um, he flies the chopper <laughs> and, and tries to report. And reports the traffic at the same time, which is not easy <laughs> if you've ever tried that. And he always crashes. Always. And the same thing. Kid Cuddy is in this film flying oh, and like scouting for these people and like goofing around on his, on his um, headset with them the entire time. His character yeah. was so – 
so like shoehorned in. It's so obvious they're trying to make this like mm-hmm. Dom and the gang by adding yeah. all these, yeah. these secondary characters. It doesn't work. And the character at the beginning, Pete, and all the secondaries were cookie cutter. Yeah, the yeah. The, the um the but Pete, Pete character, guys, Pete. At the beginning <laughs> of the film, I was like, "This is the worst actor I've ever seen in my life." <laughs> I cannot believe it. he's actually yeah. like British or something, and he tries oh, to do no. an American accent, and it is so bad. He's There's Australian. A line, oh, Harrison Australian, Gilbertson. Okay. He's so bad. He says this one line that he tries to do it in an English or an American accent. He goes, "Come on, guys." This is the opportunity of a lifetime. But he says it like exactly like that when he's talking about the race and whether they should do the race or not. Come on, guys. This is the opportunity of a lifetime. I was like, what American says opportunity like that? It was just so bad. And besides, like, besides slides alone. And that was – yeah, that was, the last, that was the last line he said before he died. I was like, thank the Lord. Like you wonder if they like made that a plot line just because they hated the kid so much. They killed him off or something. I mean how – how bad was his meaningful speech about, I had this vision, it was you, and it was a lighthouse. Yes. And you won the race. You won the Day Leon. I love you, brother. It was <laughs> oh. the worst thing I've ever heard. It felt like a lot of the action scenes were like filmed with GoPros. Like yeah. they just stuck mm-hmm. GoPros on cars and like let them drive, and that was a lot of the action. I will give them credit, though. Apparently, zero CGI used in this movie. And uh, apparently Aaron yeah, Paul did his own stunts, which is nice. But he's got um, a little Tom Cruise, like please like me in him. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's a good good comparison. Sure. Yeah. Not a complete failure on on those aspects. So like, if you want to watch cars drive around, it's fine. But there's no like I kept trying to say to myself after this movie when I was leaving and stuff. I was like, is there any way I can justify in my mind? A sequel to this. I just can't do it. There's yeah. no desire in my mind or in really anyone I know that's seen it's mind of wanting to revisit these characters. Like yeah. that was what's great about the Fast movies. Like, wow, that was really cheesy. Yes. A lot of those yes. car chases were cheesy. But I freaking love Vin Diesel for some reason. <laughs> I like Paul Walker. Yes. I love yeah. Ludacris and Tyrese. Like there's there's this whole separate element with with the Fast series. That's what makes it so clever is that the um the gang is actually likable and great right. and it mixes yeah. those two elements perfectly and this is just one of those elements it's cool car chases and just a desperation mm-hmm. uh really desperation trying to make the other characters work so absolutely it is it is bad um well jason what specifically what was your least favorite scene in the movie i it's got to be the beginning i mean there there were a few things that that kind of uh, killed me, but if I can sort of expand your thought and, and instead of say scene, say sort of uh, the opening act when we meet all the characters and all they're doing is talking and we're being convinced that we're supposed to love Pete. Yeah, it's yeah. just one awkward scene after awkward scene after awkward scene. I mean, finding out about the, the love triangle and yeah. everything. It's just miserable, miserable dialogue and the performances are and you know, so melodramatic. Yeah, I'll give it to Aaron Paul. Like, I, I think he was trying to lift up the material, which he clearly knew was weak, and lift up the actors around him because you could tell he was giving everything that he had. He was so invested in everything, but usually it just seemed to play out that he looked like he was brooding, or you know, maybe not quite overacting, but really overly into it, while everyone else was very, very stiff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. He was the one 
person in this movie that I can recall was even in it, to be honest. I mean, Dominic Cooper's fine. Yeah. Horribly written character. He was good in, like... Horribly. He was good in, like, Captain America as Howard Stark. Like, if he does mm-hmm. small roles like that, he, he's a great actor. But it's obvious that they're trying to make Aaron Paul and Dominic Cooper, like, leading men here. Uh, yeah. It doesn't, doesn't yeah. really work for me. And Scott Muscuti, a.k.a. Oh. Kid Cudi, is the third build actor mm-hmm. in this movie, um, believe it or not, over, like... Michael Keaton, for instance. Unreal. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't think they can do a sequel to this. And I know they will. Yeah. But, you know, Fast 7's coming out next, um, basically a year from now, like next April. And um, I think people are going to remember how great those films are, how crappy this one was. And uh, that might be it. I don't even know if Aaron Paul would do another one of these. Uh, he probably would, considering uh, it's endless. like the only work he's probably getting right now. Yeah. Uh, but it's like I don't see this going anywhere. Unless, Does that make sense? Yeah, I just don't. Unless they totally. worked a sequel deal into his contract, I can't see him taking another one. Yeah, they probably did. This movie, you know what it is? It fits right alongside like Max Payne. Yeah, and Hitman. Yeah, and, you it's know, a those, video game movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is a video game yeah. movie. But it, it fits right alongside those mediocre video game movies. It made yeah, like less money than like Silent Hill made first weekend. Wow. <laughs> and that movie is not great either. So, wow. You know, they had some potential here. A lot of this is like straight up uh, they played the game and like took, probably took screenshots like, okay, let's recreate that exact moment from the game in the movie. Yeah. And it just doesn't work because it's all stuff we've seen before. In uh, far better car-related movies, uh, but is there any other um, glowing concerns that you want to bring up about this? Like, there's a scene where they're refueling Ugh. a car while it's on the road. It just makes no logical sense whatsoever. <laughs> and there is yeah. How did the uh, how did the beast keep up? Yeah, he's supposedly yeah. flying across the country at 100 miles an hour, <laughs> but yet every time they stopped, here's the tow truck. <laughs> yeah, it's got Nas. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but there, this this movie is not really worthy of analyzing. I mean, it's exactly yeah. what you would think. I mean, we could have all not seen this movie and said the exact same stuff about it. Um, it's Aaron Paul as Aaron Paul himself. It's it's not really a stretch here, but it's not really a, um an Oscar caliber performance at all. But you know. He's got some stuff coming up. Let's see what, what he's got. He's, he's in Exodus, actually, the Ridley Scott Moses movie. Okay. He plays Joshua in that. So that sounds right. kind of intriguing, wow. actually. He's filming one right now called Fathers and Daughters with Amanda Seyfried and Russell Crowe. And the plot line is, a woman struggling with relationship issues reflects on growing up with her famous novelist father. So that kind of sounds interesting. So, yeah, we'll see. Maybe Aaron Paul has potential as an actor. I just don't see him as this big action star leading man type guy, considering his most no. famous role is a B character. It's not even right. like Cranston as Walter White, this huge iconic character. It's like Pinkman is like his sidekick, you know? It's like he can play these sidekick roles yeah. probably really, really well. He'll probably be a great Joshua to Christian Bale's Moses, but this is um, not encouraging, I would say, for... Aaron Paul's future as an action star. You want to move on and do grades? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm going to say this is a D+. Uh, it just doesn't even get a passing grade for me. 
uh, considering what it tried to accomplish, and it pretty much failed miserably, I think, in my eyes. It um, it didn't even make me want to play the Need for Speed games at all. It's, <laughs> it seemed pretty boring to me now, actually. And hopefully there's no awful Australian kids in the game. <laughs> but uh, what is your grade, Brian? Uh, I go C-. minus. Richard? C-. minus. Uh, Jason? Make it three, C-. minus. Wow, you guys love this movie. <laughs> I didn't think you would, but you did. You were always you always surprise me. All right, guys, I think that's enough. Need for a speed talk for for one week. Uh, let's move on and let's do weekly recommends. Weekly recommends. All right, guys, I'll kick things off uh, with weekly recommends. Uh, one of my favorite shows of all time, one of the best comedy series of all time, has made its way back to cable television. And it's on FX. It hasn't been resurrected fully, but it sort of has. Ollie G. Resurrection. Uh, I want to suggest this week it's basically the Ollie G. Show. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen's great show from back mid-2000s, 2003 and 2004. Um, it's made its way onto FX as the original Ollie G. Show under the name... LG Resurrection. So don't be fooled. These are not new skits you're seeing. I was fooled yeah. at first. There is some stuff that I believe was cut out and that they've added yeah. extra scenes in and stuff. But a lot of it is um, it's retelling a lot of the stuff that, that they've already done and repackaged it in sort of a new, a new way. And so I, I think it's hilarious. It's a great way to be introduced to Ollie G and Borat and Bruno and his other... Um, characters, you know, without having to go through and purchase the DVDs uh, of, of the Ollie G show or go search them out on HBO or something. And, you know, it's groundbreaking, I would say. The more I, I like, watch it, the more genius it is and the more simple it is. And I, I freaking love the Ollie G show. So, yeah, go ahead and get on your DVR, set a series order for Ollie G Resurrection. Respect. Respect. Booyakasha. It's definitely worth your time. Yo, and effort. is like you like recording it every week or like is you like taping it for maybe see ladies, huh? Uh, that was Ali G. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one bit that had me dying was like when Borat goes to like the wine tasting. <laughs> yes. You've seen that with the two old guys? Yeah. And they're trying to teach him how to hold the wine glass. <laughs> And you can tell that that wasn't planned at all, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> he goes yes, on for at least three minutes trying to figure out how to hold the glass. It, 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 is, it killed me. Borat, like, the great genius of Borat is he is able, as someone who's very civilized and intelligent, to really turn off his entire brain. And, like, he acts organically like someone that was from the middle of Kazakhstan would, yeah. like... He, you know, like in the movie where they take him, he goes to the hotel and they take him to the elevator to go up to his room. And he thinks the this is a very nice room. You know, he thinks the elevator's the room. Like he has this insane ability to go so simple with it and like stuff you would never think of as a member of like society. It makes it just kills me. It's so funny. Yeah, when the guy comes in, pours the wine. He's a black guy. He leaves. Is the is this a your slave? <laughs> they get into this whole debate. And it is, I mean, he, he does such a good job of, like, stirring up controversy. Yeah. But, like, inadvertently yeah. and making people look like idiots. <laughs> it's so yeah. good. It's it's yeah. better than the movie, Borat. 
the the show. Ooh, if you can com- compress, if you compressed every Borat skit from Ollie G and put them into one movie, it would be as good, if not better, than than the Borat film. Okay. I think. Uh, but that's Definitely my recommend. Definitely, that's my recommend is Ali G Resurrection, Richard. Yeah, uh, I, I just moved uh, over the weekend, so I had a day or so without cable, and I sold, as you guys know, m- most if not all of my DVDs and uh, CDs. A lot, so I didn't have that much to watch, and I was like, "Oh, what do I have? Oh, I have my Larry Sanders show box set." So I, uh, <laughs> yes. I power through some Larry Sanders episodes. Best show ever. You can't be touched. I'm going to get you guys all on board with it one day. They took it off streaming, which sucks. It's on. It's-, it's on Crackle. Oh, okay. If you go, it's a free it's a free website, crackle.com. It's it's run by Sony. It's yeah. where the comedians and cars getting coffees on there too. Okay. But they they're all free on Crackle, the Larry Sanders okay. show. So. Just I mean, honestly, just so so stinking good. Tambor, Shandling, Riptorn. That's all you need. How many years did that run? That ran 8 years. And they did full seasons. So a couple of the seasons are like 20 episodes, which just makes it so hard to power through, but it's just it's still so much funnier than everything else. And obviously too, just as an influence on arrested development and things like that. Um but I I wish Shanlin would write another show. I don't care if he's in it, but he's such a good television writer. It's really a shame he, he hasn't done anything in 10 years. Yeah, so is uh Larry Sanders your recommend? Yeah, that is my weekly. I think recommend. you have recommended that before, I have, so I have, but I'm gonna I'm gonna re-recommend it. Yeah, it once a year at least. With our generation, I don't think enough people know about it. We gotta get that out there. Larry Sanders show. Great recommend. HBO. Cool, Brian. Yeah, I uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, Criterion Collection did a big sale on their website, like yes. a flash sale, um, and I bought four or five movies. It uh, kind of coincided with my birthday. So I just, I told my wife, I was like, this is what I'm going to get for my birthday. So you don't have to buy me anything. Um, and uh, I've been watching a few of those. I think those will make the, uh, the rounds in my weekly recommends for the next few weeks. But last night or night before last, I watched, uh, Dazed and Confused, um, which I, I hadn't seen in the Criterion version. Yeah, dude, they have a, it's a oh, Criterion wow. version. Um, and that part of the reason, honestly, this, I don't know, this may sound weird. Part of the reason I bought it is because the cover art on the Criterion is amazing. And I've always felt like the cover art or the poster for Days and Confused was horrible. Yeah. Um, it's just a really ugly, cheap looking, uh, poster cover art, whatever. But, uh, the Criterion looks amazing. Of course it has all these, you know, special features and whatnot. Um, the, one of the best part, if you've never purchased a Criterion DVD or Blu-ray before, one of the best parts is that pretty much all of them have uh, the insert inside has like like essays about the movie or about the time period and, and things like that. The the one in Days and Confused is like sixty pages long. I mean, it's like a book uh, on on the movie and time period and whatnot. It's really cool. Um, but anyway, I, I watched the movie. I hadn't seen it in probably close to close to a decade, um, and I'm just just amazed at how well it holds up and, and uh, I mean what a great filmmaker Richard Linkletter is yeah um, just complete I mean it's a great job great job of, of encapsulating the time but also um, you know that's a movie it's like there's really nothing happening um, throughout the whole thing I mean it, it, there's not much of a plot it really plays like almost like a like a dramatized documentary you know it's like he's just following these kids around with the camera um, but that comes across so authentic and uh, and real, and it man, it's just it's so much fun to watch. And I I think it has settled my debate. We've talked about before of uh, whether 
whether McConaughey has always been a good actor who just is in terrible movies or if he's learned to be a good actor over the last three or four years. Um, and that I, this viewing of Days of Confused kind of settled it for me that he's always been a good bordering on great actor who was just locked into into bad, uh, bad movies and bad roles. Because, uh, man, Wooderson is like the most nothing character in that movie. Yeah. And he completely makes it like that's the movie might as well be about Wooderson in some ways, you know, like he's just so great in that uh, this little tiny kind of weird role. Um, anyway, Daisy and Views is a great movie and it was I, I highly recommend re- revisiting it. And if you have the opportunity, get a hold of it on on Criterion because uh, it really does, I think, make a difference in the, the enjoyment of the, of the film. Good call. I I love that film. I'm gonna have to seek that out. Definitely. I didn't know there was a Criterion version. So it's awesome, man. Awesome. I'll definitely do that. Speaking of Criterion, a little bit of news. They're finally getting a Life Aquatic Blu-ray Criterion this, nice. later this year, which nice. is long awaited for me. So I'm excited about that. Uh, Jason, what's your week to recommend? You got something to recommend to the audience? I do have something I'd like to recommend. Uh, okay. A documentary came back on the cable cycle here that I had seen a while back and. When I saw it came up, it re-entered my mind, and I want to uh, share it with you all. It's called uh, Searching for Sugar Man. I know yeah. Brian's seen it. Have either of you yeah. two seen it? I have. I have seen it. Yes, we all yeah. have, I think. Oh, well, then everybody's seen it. So this is strictly for the viewers, then. Uh, it's outstanding. They're called I mean, listeners. <laughs> amateur hour. <laughs> we'll have cameras. Oh, I'll just take that. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, well, you know, listening audience, we can do that. Yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, it's outstanding. And when I got to see it, uh, I went to see it not having any idea was about it, what it was about. There was just a screening over in Dallas. And um, word was that it was good. I had some friends who were going. Brian was one of them. And I just went into it blind uh, to see the documentary. And uh, it, it's a great documentary. It's, it's about the search for a particular musician. And it opens with... Uh, a South African man talking about this performer, Rodriguez, in this album that he made in 1970. And sort of the beginning ends with, he's this great musician who killed himself on stage, and we don't know anything about him. Uh, and to not give too much away, because one of the things that made it so outstanding for me was actually getting to go along the journey with the filmmakers of Discovery and what they learned and yeah. uh, was... Uh, what, 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 what's happening is there's an album that came out in 1970 uh, by a performer named Sixto Rodriguez, and it got no traction in the United States, but it blew up in South Africa in the heart of apartheid, and it became one of those signature albums of rebellion, sold over 500,000 copies, and in South Africa, they had no idea who this guy was. And the documentary sort of follows the search to find this performer uh, to, to figure out who he was and, and yeah. how in the world have we sold 500,000 copies in the United States have never even heard of him. And it's, it's just a, amazing. It's just an incredible journey. Didn't it's, they it's find him like where, uh, doing construction or something? I can't remember. Yeah, I wasn't going to give that away. But yeah, they, uh, they tracked him down. Uh, eventually, you go through and right at the, right at the turn – you find out that, and, and it's a shock to him, is that he's not dead and he's doing construction in Detroit. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's an amazing journey. Uh, and it's one of those documentaries where, you know, sometimes you see a documentary and the, the craft of the documentary is what, what sucks me in. And then other times it's the story. And this is one of those where the, the actual story of the performer and 
um, how the album came to be what it was in South Africa versus what happened to it in the United States. It's just an incredible story that I'm very happy that I got to learn, and the, the craft is pretty sound too. So, uh, Searching for Sugar Man, it's on Stars right now uh, if you have the on-demand service. Uh, otherwise, I don't think it's streaming anywhere, not that I've seen, uh, yeah. unless it's an ad to Amazon Prime and I've missed it. Uh, I do not believe it's streaming anywhere at the moment. Yeah. Seek but it out, definitely though. Worth if, your time. if you didn't see it, man, so good. Um, definitely worth checking out. Yeah. Find it on DVD or something if you if you have to. And the music's great, too. It's not just a story. Yeah. The music's yeah. really good. It's a really good album. Yeah, it is. It's great. Good recommend. I need to go back and watch that again. Yeah. It's been since since it won the Oscar that I've not seen it. So it's been a while. I need yeah, to refresh myself. Great, great, great movie. Uh, a bit of housekeeping info I need to to go over before we get out of here. Uh, Richard and I were guests on another podcast last week that you can check out. If you go to our website, madaboutmoviespodcast.com, and click updates, uh, there is a link to Richard and I's guest appearance on the Calypso Cigar Review, where we uh, met up with some guys here locally, Brandon and Randy, awesome guys, and talked movies uh, for a little bit. But it is adult-oriented content, so make sure the kids aren't in the car uh, if you decide to, uh, to check that out. Um, so thanks Brandon and Randy for having us on your podcast and maybe we'll have them as guests on sometime coming up pretty soon. Uh, so Brian Gill, let me ask you, where can I find your work online? You can find me on Twitter at bgill12. You can find my writing at canbabiesdrinkredbull.com. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me online at richardbarden.com or on Twitter at richardbarden. Kent, where can I find you? Find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison and where can we find you, Jason? You can find me on Twitter at jdavidson214. Sweet. You can find all our episodes online at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Find our weekly recommends on there. Find our American Treasures on there. And contact the show from there as well. Just click contact. Is there anything else you guys want to mention before we get out of here for this week? Thanks for coming on, Jason. We'll have to have you on again sometime. Yeah. Yeah, Jason. It's been great. It It was a blast. It was an awesome. It was definitely a blast. And we want to have you on again. And. Maybe you can share some stories about American Treasure Justin Hoffman. Yeah, well, actually, you know, teaser for another time, I can share stories about him and uh, Bette Midler, which both played into a conversation you guys had earlier. Wow. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah. So there's a little yeah. tease for you. And on that note, until next time, we will see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Who's going to drive you home? Thank you.